You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It is Tuesday the 12th of July and today is the day as far as the whip report goes. So we're a little bit late today waiting for the embargo to be lifted on details of the whip report. That's at 1pm. And these are the recommendations proposed by the whip consultation steering group. So that consists of experienced individuals, jockeys, trainers, other members of the racing industry to media, government and horse welfare sectors. So it was uh, planning to garner a, a cross-section of opinion. They've put forward 20 recommendations to the BHA board. We'll try and do this in as much detail as time allows. Broadcaster and journalist Rishi Basad is with me. Rishi, what are the key points that leap out at you? Uh, first of all, Tom, all the recommendations have been approved by the BHA board, but the, the key ones that, that leap out are uh, the use of the whip for encouragement limited to the backhand position, which is a huge change in the way that jockeys ride races. I mean, it's pretty significant for anybody who's followed the sport for any period of time, uh, that that is requiring the participants to make a significant change to the way that they conduct themselves when riding a horse race. Uh, So that's a very big one. Um, In addition, the permitted level for the use to remain at seven on the flat, eight over jumps and all in the backhand position. Um, I think you can flick the horse reading through the other recommendations. You can flick the horse down the shoulder once, as long as you've got both hands on the reins at the same time. Uh, There's going to be a development of a review panel, which is responsible for evaluation of all rides and any necessary sanction (coughs) or action that will include um, uh, recommending jockeys for further training. Uh, Increased penalties for offences, including double suspensions in major races when the whip is used above the permitted level. Now, there's a subsection later on in the full report that details class one, class two, and I think races over a certain value, uh, I think around £27,000 on the flat uh, and something similar over jumps. But um, there's so much in these recommendations, but uh, that's something obviously to bear in mind. And also one other one to mention as a significant recommendation is the disqualification that will be introduced for offences in which the whip has been used four times or more above the permitted level in all races. So if the whip is used 11 times in a flat race, or 12 times in a jumps race, then it's disqualification. Um, There are, of course, mitigating circumstances that you can provide uh, post-race, but that's the basic rule. Uh, So those are the the key recommendations. And I think it's really important when we are looking at the recommendations to remember the context in which they have been developed, the context of perception. Uh, That's a whole different argument as to whether or not that's the right procedure uh, or the, the right uh, uh, inspiration for, for this. Um, but that is the context in which these recommendations have been developed. And if you look at it within that context, then you have to say that these are actually, uh, they, they've, they've delivered on that particular, I think, they ha- I think they have delivered on that particular premise. Okay, well, one of the riders on the 
the Whip Review Steering Group is um, PJ McDonalds, who who joins me now. Um, PJ, before we get into the specifics, do do you feel that you've you've changed your view in any way on on the Whip, having spoken to to people from different industries? Did you go on any kind of journey yourself, being on this group? Um, yes, I, I have to say I, I, I did, Tom. To be honest with you, um, like a lot of, of us jockeys or anybody that's that's caught up in 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 our racing bubble, it's it's so full on, and then um, you don't really have the time or, or, or take the time, I suppose, to listen to to other people's views because you've got your own and you're you're quite focused on them. So, um, definitely my my view on the public perception of, of racing has changed dramatically since since the whip consultation i i think we've got a our sport has got a step forward and, and move with the times so so where we are now you you can say you're you are happy i mean i know you're, you're part of the steering group and and it seemed that every side had to perhaps give a little bit on, on the group but you you are happy with the outcome yeah, hundred percent. Look, we, we've um, it's it's been it's been a difficult few months. It's not been easy for for any of the members because we've all had our views. We've all had our views questioned. Um, we we've had to back up our views at, at certain points through the through the consultation. But uh, I I honestly believe that we've we've come to uh, the decisions we've made will benefit our sport moving forward. And I I I'd like to think that everybody. Our participants can get can get on board, and we can we can really take the sport forward. PJ, what's the hardest? You know, if you're going into the weighing room today and, and speaking to your colleagues, what do you think of all the changes? Be it the the potential for disqualification, if if on the flat the whip is used um, eleven times, that's four times over the the, the permitted seven, um, or or be it the using the whip only in the backhand position. What's the hardest sell? Do you think to your to your weighing room colleagues, if I can put it like that? I would imagine, Tom, it will be it, it will be the backhand. It's you know it's a, it is a big change. Um, it, it's um, you know it's it's going to make we're all going to have to change. We're all going to have to adapt, and we're all in a level playing field. Everybody's riding style is going to be the same when when the rules change. Um, so I think I, I I hope I'm right by saying I don't think this. Disqualification is going to be a problem because I think riders have just to got their head get their head around the, the, the fact that you can't get away with breaking the rules anymore. You can't, you know, you can't benefit from from, from breaking the rules and get away with it. So I, I'd be very surprised if the disqualification is, is called in at any point. I think riders will adapt to that pretty quickly. Mm. Um, it's the backhand position. For senior riders, more so, the likes of myself, who, you know, we, we've been riding with a style for such a long time, um, and you know, it's, it's the way I've ridden for for twenty odd years, and and I've got to change that now. But you know, we're, we're professionals; we, we can adapt, um, and I, I I definitely think it will um, it will benefit us moving forward. Okay, so let just break this down in layman's terms for, for me in particular, somebody that hasn't raced ridden, and lots of people who are listening who won't have done. So, w- when you're when you're going through the gears in the race, the the whip, you know, you you normally carry the whip as it's going down the horse's shoulder. It will be in the backhand position, and then when you go to use it, and in particular your riding style, you'll say you'll you'll switch it round and use it in the forehand position. Is that right? Yeah, 
Yes. Look at our whips are designed um, for to, to design not to not to hurt horses. Um, you know, and used correctly, our whips don't cause any discomfort to a, to a horse. But used incorrectly, there is a possibility they could cause a, a discomfort to a horse if you hit a horse in the wrong place. Now, if you hit a horse in the wrong place using the backhand position, which it's very, very hard to do with the, the, with, with the motion you use to use your backhand, nine times out of ten your stick will land in the perfect position um, and doesn't land with as much force. So, But if, if you did happen to hit a horse in the wrong position when, when your stick is in the forehand, the chances are you would, you know, you you would be you would be using more force. So so it, like it takes it takes a lot out of the equation. It takes the force of the of the, the smack out of the equation, and it takes where your stick is going to land. Um, now it is still possible, you know, to, to get it wrong, but it, it's going to be it, the the technique will will um will benefit moving forward of where your stick is going to land and with the force it's going to land with. Like I would always, when I when I'm getting a horse to shift up through the gears, I I will always give them one or two backhanders first hmm. before I have them in top flight, and then for me, my style of riding is I like to get into my forehand. Then when I've got them in top flight, to maintain them, to maintain them in top flight and keep them concentrated. So you know, even though I do use my backhand, um, it's it's just going to be a little change in in, in the in the latter part of the race. You know that you're gonna you're gonna keep it in, in that position, but I honestly can't see it being a, a problem. Um, I think it will, will. It's going to be much tidier. It's um, it, it it'll look better for, for public perception. Um, and like I said, it minimizes the risk of force and connecting with a horse in the wrong wrong place. Will it make you? I know it's a level playing field. Will it? Will it? <laughs> make you less effective or will it not allow you to get the most out of your mount or do you or do you not think so? Well I, I don't think so. Um like I said our, our whips are designed just to help horses concentrate. They're not designed to to, to you know cause discomfort to a horse. So it, it's just the, the the feeling they get under under hind quarters will we'll just keep them concentrated and, and give us an aid to get that get that horse into top flight, which you know we need we need a reason to get them into top flight, and you know so I think it's very important that we've we've still got it um, to ensure that you know the the best horse wins on the day. Um, so I I, I I I don't think it's going to affect affect my you know the wooden finishing positions of horses or or how i ride or, or the way i can get um the ability out of, out of a horse and just take me through those closing stages with regards to the amount of times you use the whip pj at, at the moment um are, are you you as a rider are counting each time you use the, the stick up to seven do, do you Will you be refocused now, do you think, given the harsher penalties in top-level races, if you go over that? And, of course, if you go over four times the potential for disqualification, will that refocus your mind onto knowing exactly how many times, perhaps more accurately, you're using the stick? Or are you very accurate at the moment? No, I will. I, I'm, 
like you know, I'm I'm pretty accurate with with my with my stick. Um, um, but this will refocus the mind, and that's a good thing. The whole point of this consultation was to make riders think about their stick more, concentrate how it's been used, um, and with the stiffer penalties and with the disqualification, the stick is going to be at the fore of your mind when you go out to ride now all the time because you're, you're going to you're gonna know you can't make these mistakes, you know, because you're going to get punished for them and, you know, severely punished for them in the middle of the summer. It can affect jockeys financially. It can affect their livelihood. So as professionals, we have got to adapt and we've got to ride within these rules. And look, we've got a very talented pool of jockeys in this country and then... I honestly can't see a problem with, with them adapting. I know you're on the, the group. I'm interested that I feel you're, um, you know, you're a bit more forgiving with regards to the changes than, than I thought you might be. It's been interesting to hear um, where you are now mentally with regard to the to the stick and its use. Well, it's it's for the sport, isn't it? You know, I've I've made a career and a livelihood from 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 horse races, from horses and. Nobody gets involved with racing or horses unless you love the animals, you know. And when I stop riding, you know, I will continue to be involved in the sport and and with these magnificent animals. You know, I've got them at home as pets. Um, so, like like I said before, like times are changing, the world is changing. And if if this is what we've got to do to bring our sport along and to make sure it continues to be competitive and it continues to draw the right people and attract new new audiences it's look at it's a small price to pay for jockeys to adapt the way they ride um if it's going to benefit the future of the sport Rishi, finishing up there with, with, with saying to pj I, I i was a little surprised by how um having been on the the journey with the whip steering group himself he definitely seems to have um, changed his uh, opinion with regard to the wider public perception of use of the whip or something that he specifically calls the stick. It's also worth pointing out that um, the review panel found there was absolutely no need to, to change the term whip. But he, he does seem to, to be someone who's been in the sport for such a long time who now sees what he described the importance of the sport going forward being able to draw in a, a broader audience and therefore this mod- these modifications are required in his view. And understandably so. Um, you know, PJ mentioned about the the world that we live in, and that is clearly uh, a significant driving force in these recommendations, and indeed this entire consultation. The perception, the, the, the word perception, is used a number of times in the report, uh, and <clears throat> with that in mind, the perception of how a horse is treated um, has become front and center it's one of the most it's one of the most important elements now of our sport because of the world that we live in you know everything is under scrutiny everything is there for everyone to see uh welfare horse welfare animal welfare is high on the agenda constantly um and these recommendations do meet meet that criteria to a degree i mean as a as a racing fan um The only, the only concern I would have is that potentially those people who have an issue with the sport 
will these recommendations fully satisfy satiate those people who have an issue with the sport does you know where does it stop but i but with with regards to to what pj's to or the way pj has pj mcdonald has dealt with it and i do Tom Scudamore has also been part of it. It's an understanding of the fact that now it's not, it's not just enough. And I can understand this. I, I don't think it's just enough to say, well, we've designed a whip that we think doesn't hurt a racehorse. Within the report as well, it's worth mentioning, Tom, that there are a number of times that they refer to the scientific uh, reports or there's still research to be done as to how much uh, impact uh, using the whip on a horse it's it's not it's not very clear uh, and that's still open to debate and more research needs to be done in that particular uh, element so with that in mind you have to say that you know <clears throat> what we what we've what we've got is a situation where we have to be on the front foot we have to say the sport has to be on the front foot to say we understand what the perception of the sport and the way horses are treated the way horses are ridden might be and then we did the research and there are people who have issues with the way that the sport is portrayed. And so we have acted to counteract those claims. And this is something that will hopefully uh, at least satisfy those people with concerns for now. That was a slight red flag to me, Rish, the, uh, just, just moving forward. Um, whatever you, whichever side of the, the fence that, that you sit on with regards to the, the current changes that are, going to come into place in late autumn, although no specific date has been set. Um, there is a lot of reference to ongoing research needing to be done, more needing to be done, no specific scientific research having been carried out since the last WIP review. And um, the BHA seems to have been very front foot saying, we haven't done enough uh, to, to, to look into uh, scientifically whether the whip does cause pain to horses and we need to do more. What if, Rishi, new mm. scientific research shows that the whip can hurt horses? Then where do you draw the line? Then will the whip eventually be banned? Are, are we not just on a pathway to the banning of the whip? Well, I'm, I, I, I believe, having read through this report, that the use of the whip in the backhand position, Tom, um, will negate to a significant degree just how much a horse is going to be so <clears throat> yes um at the moment with the whip being used in the forehand position the, the 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 theory the thought process behind it is the forehand position allows a rider to impart more force on the use of the whip the backhand position negates that to a degree you could say that in future, jockeys may want to use the backhand whip with a bit more force than they currently use. But if you look at the way that the backhand is used at the moment, and I've canvassed a little bit of opinion around, around a couple of jockeys about this today, so it's not just uh, me making the assumption, but at the moment, you know, the backhand is not used with a quite, quite the same force as, uh, as the forehand position. So that in itself is a significant step forward, you would say, to the use of the whip, which perhaps would negate that danger that you've highlighted further down the line. I, it's worth pointing out that, that, that Nick, normal um, host of this podcast, was a member of, of the steering group. I remember, I don't know when it was, but you and he having a debate about the, the whip and, and um, whether or not disqualification should be introduced. Now, I don't know what um, 
parameters you'd set between you. But he was on one side of the fence uh, on, on that occasion that he didn't want to see disqualification coming in. And as I pointed out, um, every member of, the, of the, the steering group has had to give a little bit um, to, yeah. to, to bring them into line with, with what has been decided. You were the other way, Rishi. You, you were, I think, quite happy for, for disqualifications to, to be imposed. So what, what's your assessment of where the, the barometer has been set, if you like, with, with, with going four strikes over? Well, I think disqualification ought to be imposed um, with riding offences uh, a little bit more frequently than they are at the moment. Um, I think that would act as a strong deterrent uh, for riding offences in general. That's you know to do with careless, reckless, or whatever else, dangerous riding, etc. And whip use, break the rules, and you know they they ought to be a significant punishment. And in this particular case, with regards to going over the permitted levels. I think that they've got it right. They've got it with 11 on the flat, 12 over jumps. It's a, it's a, big, it's a big amount to go over the, recommend, or the, the permitted level, seven and eight. To go over by four, that's quite a lot. Jockeys have now got in tune at the mo- as, as things have stood for the last few years to using the whip at a maximum seven times and eight times flat and jumps respectively. So the deterrent is there in order to prevent that. Again, canvassing opinion amongst jockeys already today, I, 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 I get the impression, uh, speaking to a few of them, that they feel that this would be very, very rare for this to happen. Because it's such a, uh, it's such a rare occurrence at the moment that jockeys, or they're, they're now, it's part of their DNA in the way they ride, that they don't, uh, they're well aware of the seven and the eight, and to go over by that amount would be a very rare incident. So I'm, I'm happy with that, that recommendation, uh, because I don't think it would be incurred on too many occasions. There's a level of assumption there, but given that the way racing has gone and the way race riding has gone over the last few years since these rules have been brought in with the permitted level being seven and eight, I think it's not that ridiculous to assume that it will be rare. You you would imagine so. Um, the the report does highlight the Sam Whaley Cohen ride in the in in the, the Grand National. Uh, there, there's a separate um, Q and A where where questions were were posed and and uh, detailed answers given, and and it did reference the Sam Whaley Cohen ride as to one of those high profile rides which would have resulted in disqualification. But that of course was when the rules weren't in place. So there's no saying that, that that the rules would have been broken had they had they been in place. Um, the the other thing which it seems a huge undertaking. There are so many details still to be finalised. The, the review panel, who are going to meet potentially three times a week to look at, Rishi, not just rides which are uh, recommended by the stewards on the day to be looked at, but indeed every single ride of every single jockey. That's a, potentially a huge undertaking. It is. That's, that's a very good point. I mean, they're asking a big question of that review panel. Um, <clears throat> but you would, what, what you feel would, would happen would be this would be the undertaking to begin with in order for us to move the sport along and move race riding along to the situation where the use of the whip is done in as kind a manner as possible with regards to perception so that people see that the whip is used in the right in, in as kind a way as possible and it's very significant that through the whole report the use of the word coerce is is thought of as a negative it's not the whip is not used to coerce it's used to encourage so 
The review panel can keep an eye on all riders on all rides for a period of time while it beds in, I would hope, and that the use of that review panel as time progresses will become less, you would imagine, because riders will have got used to the way that they're required to use, uh, to use the whip. And it's, it's really encouraging to hear someone like PJ McDonald being quite open about the fact that he's saying, you know, he's one of the mo more senior riders in the wearing room. You, know, you think off the top of your head, the likes of you know, Joe Fanning, Frankie Dettori, Jimmy Quinn, people like that, still riding, uh, who have been doing it for a certain way for a long period of time. They might be the ones <laughs> who might struggle a little bit to begin with because it's become such a, a subconscious act to use the whip in the forehand and to use it in a certain manner. So as long as the, the panel can have a period of time to watch these rules bed in, I would imagine that that panel won't be needed as regularly as it will do once the rules come into effect and, and once jockeys are asked to make those changes. Just finally, Rishi, do, do, do you trust the process here? Do you, do you, do you trust the, the, the lengthy process, the, the different backgrounds represented on the steering group, and therefore do you feel we've got a balanced enough outcome? Yes, I'm, I'm happy with that. I, yeah, I think, obviously, there's the tiny little bit of amount of bias in the fact that a friend and colleague in uh, Nick Luck uh, is on that panel, but I think it's a good, diverse cross-section of people on there, including... Uh, Tom Scudamore and PJ McDonald, who have uh, the experience of, of using it, plus all the other people involved in it, uh, as well as submissions from across the industry, you know, whether it's owners, trainers, jockeys, breeders, uh, racing fans, uh, race goers, uh, you know, members of the media, television viewers, etc. They all submitted uh, comments, over 2,000. Uh, submissions. So that's all been stirred in the pot. And what we have got is, I think, a, a decent compromise between uh, all those recommendations and discussions. Um, I think, I'll be honest, I, I've been torn for a long time on, on how much we should, we should bow to public perception, primarily because it, it, it doesn't entirely sit comfortably with me in a number of situations. You know, if you are the person that you are, for example, and if other people perceive you in a way that you're not, you know, that's their problem, not yours. But the problem with, <laughs> with racing taking such an attitude is that it could have a very negative impact in the long term, where we look at the race course, or the, we look at race courses now, we look at the situation for the sport and we think, down, you know, attendances across the board are down, field sizes are down, prize money is down, the sport is, is in trouble. So if we don't, if we don't prepare for the future, we don't think about uh, in, ensuring that we've got as many people, as many customers, as many clients as possible willing to engage with the sport, then we're going to, things are only going to get worse. So I see this whip consultation steering group's recommendation as something in the significant wider context of helping this sport go forward. And I'm, I'm happy to put to one side the, the principle that I have, that in general, if your perception is, is incorrect and you feel that, that something is, you know, a lot of people feel that the sport might be treating horses un, unkind, with an unkind nature, etc. Well, you know that that's not true. But if we can take a step forward to say uh, and prevent or at least prove to people that we are making strides to, uh, to at least Give, give, give great examples of us looking after horses and being 
being conscious of the welfare of the horse, then that's only going to help in the long term. And I, and I think that that's what this uh, steering group recommendation delivers. And we'll have plenty more on this tomorrow with Dave Yates, Newsboy, The Daily Mirror. Another bit of news, thanks to Joe Mangan for, for making me aware of this. Hidden away on the, the TDN, Dr. Seth Fishman, Rishi, sentenced to 11 years in prison. You'll, you'll know, or heard of Dr. Mm. Seth uh, Fishman as the, the man accused of providing performance-enhancing drugs to a number of trainers, in, including Jorge Navarro and Jason Service. Jorge Navarro has been sentenced to five years in prison, but an 11-year prison sentence mm. handed out to Dr. Seth Fishman. Well, that that just highlights the gravity of the nature of what Dr. Seth Fishman uh, was accused of, found guilty of, um, and an 11-year prison sentence is uh, clearly a very, very serious situation. Um, it's, it's the longest sentence that was handed out to, uh, to those found guilty amongst the 31 individuals, and you mentioned Jorge Navarro, Jason Service, I think he's facing trial next year. Um, Dr. Fishman was the 11th person uh, who's been sentenced. So um, who knows what more is to come. But the fact that it's you know, such a, a huge prison sentence, 11 years, just shows how serious this issue has been. All right, it is the Jamon Irish Oaks this weekend. Trainer Paddy Toomey joins me. Um, you got three in at the moment, Paddy. The show of stars is the the one that's going to run. Is that right? Yeah, show of stars is our intended runner of the uh, Irish Open Saturday. Season good form. Um, we've given her a bit of a you know break since her last run. Uh, I gave her uh, run. I think it was four runs. You know, close together uh, over a mile, uh, and gave her a chance to our mile to mile one and a half, and left her strengthen up since and uh, I think she's a good fun way to the rest. The, the obvious question is the you know she's a showcasing um, last start over the mile what, what do you make of her over the distance? I'm uh, sure the showcasing element kind of you know uh, obviously you associate her more with sprinters but her distaff family is uh, her distaff family is very much uh, her distaff family is very much uh, staying you know staying she's a staying family and uh, I just, she wasn't physically strong enough to, to run a mile and a half sort of earlier in the year, and I think she is now, you know, so mm. I think it's a good time to step her up in this. But I, I'm hoping, and I think that we'll see her in a better life stepping up in trip. Now, I've seen the, the UK weather this weekend. I take it it's not exactly going to be that different in Ireland. It's going to be hot, isn't it, and potentially pretty pretty quick ground. Yeah, I the weather's warm, and look, I think we've, we've quick ground everywhere, and I think that's suit her. She kind of does happen after that the ground. I was interested in, in Limitita de Grecia, who we haven't seen yet. She, you su- suggested to me just before we started that you, you're going to be patient with her and we'll, we'll see her perhaps more towards the autumn. Is she okay? Is she not had a setback or anything? No, she's been good all spring. She, she grew a lot of us and uh, she just kind of wasn't ready to start back. And uh, Marty Schwartz, her owner, is very much... Uh, he's Breeders' Cup. Yeah, he loves the Breeders' Cup and he's Breeders' Cup-minded. So uh, we kind of took a, a conscious decision to... Uh, Ah, interesting. So you, I take it, what would you you give her a domestic run one or two perhaps before that? Yeah, we're looking at maybe the matron or something before that. I think she'll run in August, so whether she runs before the matron or starts in the matron, that's sort of a that's sort of a sort of a starting point. And then we have Phillies and mares uh, in Keeneland uh, over the nineteen hundred meters, so they're sort of uh, you know the, the target for. Mm. Um, Pearls Galore, 
Has a likely runner on Sunday in the Minstrel been in great form? Yeah, she's in great form. The plan is to run her in the Minstrel on, on Sunday. Um, I think seven there on that ground, she's doing her well. And, um, and you know, she's, she's ready to run and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to running her Sunday. Anything else you'd be likely to send out Saturday or Sunday, Paddy? Um, we run uh, Rumbles of Thunder in the Kilboy Estate uh, on Sunday. Uh, we do two there. Uh, she won the Victor McCallum State lightly first in uh, May, and uh, she did a good run against the Colts there in the international derby meeting. And, uh, I'm looking forward to running. Well, that sort of answers my next question because she's in the Nassau, so I take it that's not going to happen. Um, might you might you have a, a runner in the Nassau with Le Petit Coco or unlikely? I wouldn't rule out if Rumbles of Thunder ran well next week or the weekend that she might go to the Nassau. Ah, okay, there you go. Quick, quick backup. See, never, never assume. Never assume. Uh, yeah, we did it there last week with uh, Ralph Carberry. She was hard in the pretty valley and she turned out 10 days later and she won the Samaritan Lake 2-3. So, ours is our top of the way out of the first. So, you know, if she's in good form, we'll see if we I certainly wouldn't rule out the Nassau. Okay, time to welcome back a... Uh, a guest to the, the podcast who we've had on before with Nick a good couple of times, I think. It is part of our Weatherbees segment, as it's Tuesday, of course. Weatherbees have recently launched the Bloodstock Pro platform. It's a great new bespoke management and communications tool for stud farms, breeders, trainers and owners, etc. So please do check that out, the Bloodstock Pro platform. The man we are welcoming back is Daniel Kruger. Daniel uh, is the uh, manager of uh, Deutsche Gallup. And I know the last time we had you on, Daniel, was when um, Toccato Tasso, I think, had, had won the arc. Yes. Monday morning, very early with Nick, and we talked about Toccato Tasso and we talked about German breeding. And uh, yeah, we moved on. Uh, we are in the celebration of 200 years of German racing this year. We will have a big uh, event in Berlin on the, 12th, on the 12th of August in the very famous Hotel Adlon. It's like the Dorchester in London. And we have a big party there where we celebrate 200 years of German racing. And on the 13th and 14th of April, eh, not April, August, sorry, we have a wonderful two-day meeting in Berlin, uh, close to the capital in Berlin Hobbegarten, where we have a group one race, uh, a filly called Alpanista, won it last year. You all know her. She beat Toccato Tasso in that race. Oh, yeah. Well, she, she, you know, she looks like she's going to go to the Ark this year. There you are. And, and Toccato... Tasso won it the year before, is that right? Yes, he won it the year before. In that time, we had Corona, we had to move the race. It was in October, as a three-year-old, he won it. And he finished second last year uh, behind this wonderful grey filly from Mrs. Rousing. And now we are all looking forward he, when he's going to England for the King George. Ah, fantastic. Um, give, me, give me a sec, you mentioned coronavirus. <laughs> it's been far too long since we talked about coronavirus on this podcast. What, what's the... What's the post-COVID landscape like, horse racing-wise, in Germany at the moment, Daniel? Uh, the most numbers stayed the same, or they moved by 5% in either direction, down or up. Yeah? So it's basically the same number of breeders, number of owners, number of horses in the training. A number where we are very proud, and I have to uh, cheer as well to our race courses, is the betting turnover by race. So our betting turnover per race went up by 25% now for, compared to last year. Well, it's a great success and it helps the race courses to finance racing a little bit. Mm. And, and as far as um, the, the breeding industry goes over there, 
I, I think it's it's right that fall crops have have been dropping in in recent years a little bit. Is that a continuing trend? Is that a concern for you in any way? It is a concern because if you have a, a less uh, horses than most states in the US, yeah, we have around say 150 to 800 foals. You can't be proud. What we are proud is the quality of foals and racehorses our breeders are producing. You know, you just mentioned Toccato Tasso, but this year you can mention a horse like Loft, or in a few weeks' time, uh, our 1,000 Guinness winner November will go over to Goodwood with a great chance. They are fantastic horses, and people see that you can still buy a top class, especially middle distance horse in Germany. Now, you, you say especially middle distance there. Is that something that um, the, the German breeding industry prides itself on, creating a long standing quality middle distance horses? Or is that in any way a frustration that perhaps it's, it's, it's seen as being limited to that? No, I would say if you have a crop of 800 foals, you have to concentrate. And you can't have a July Cup winner and the Esket Gold Cup winner from that year. So you have to concentrate. And uh, the German racing system is as well relying on little distance sources. We have seven Group 1 races in Germany in total. There is one over 2,000 meters in, in Munich, uh, the Bayerische Zuchtrennen. There is the German Oaks over uh, 11 furlongs, it's 2,200 meters. And all other Group 1 races are 12 furlongs, 2,400 meters. And that is our strong uh, passion and what we are good in. And I, I think you know, the other thing we've seen or I've been aware of from a British perspective is, you know, we mentioned now Panista. Um, Barney Roy went over there and, and won the, the Grosser Priest von Baden. It feels as though there's a real willingness from British trainers, I don't know to, to what extent French trainers as well, to, to go over there and target your big races. Oh, absolutely. And, and we are more than happy to welcome them and assist them you know, in booking hotels for the owners as well to make sure that they have a good time. Because what I always say when you go racing, either if it's in Goodwood or if it's in Berlin or if it's in Baden-Baden, most owners are losing on the day because you have eight runners in the field and you have seven losers. You have to make sure people have a good time. And I mean, talking about a, a good time in Goodwood, I would mention Baden-Baden coming up uh, the Große Woche, what is seven days uh, of horse racing and auction in a wonderful area of Germany, close to the French border. And it's just wonderful to go there, enjoy the races, maybe on the second weekend with the Großer Preis of Baden and some great horses, Marienbad won there before he won the Ark, Daydream won there, Toccato Tasso won it, and then go to the auction on the 2nd of September in Barkbarn and look out for some nice German yearlings. And uh, so, so that's the BBAG's premier yearling sale on, on the 2nd of September, right? Yes, it is. And uh, I have to say the BBAG really stepped forward this year and got the German breeders behind them that they really show their best offsprings, uh, not at tether sales of goths. They really are going for the BBAG this year. We have, for example, we have uh, three uh, horses by Luke de Vega. There are eight horses from See the Stars. There's a Frankel, there's a Dubabi. There are 38 horses uh, related to a half-sister or half-brother to a or full-sister to a group winner. There is a half-sister to the German derby winner, uh, half-brother, excuse me, to the German derby winner. And it's a great uh, auction with a lot of history of buying good horses. And in the last couple of years as well for Pinhockers, to do a nice uh, pinhook there. So the, so the catalogue at this stage looks pretty exciting. What, what, what advantage might there be for any potential owners to, to go over there and, and perhaps pick up a horse from this sale? Well, 
mean, auction companies always say it's the best catalog ever. Uh, that's the typical marketing way, but I really honestly, <laughs> and really honestly believe it is the best catalog the BBAG put together. And uh, what is the exciting point? I would say value for money. It's still the opportunity to buy a, a very good horse on a quite, if you compare to other big sales, on a cheap price or on a value price. Mm. And as far as um, stallions over there go, uh, Daniel, obviously all the flug is a, a great loss. Um, recently sent out another group one winner with Alan Kerr, Sara Torcato Tasso. Um, is, there, is there any young stallion out there that you, you, you're hopeful that can go some way to filling those shoes? Before I took over at German Racing or at Deutsche Galopp, uh, I was in charge of Best Solution. He was a fantastic racehorse for uh, the Godolphin family and, and for Shaikh Mohammed. And uh, he won in Germany, so people from Germany were aware of the horse, aware of the pedigree. And he covered a very nice book of maps, and he will be there with his first crop of yearlings this year. He's the son of Kodiak. Mm. And so that might be interesting to have a look at them. And uh, to mention there are other stallions, Isfahan, uh, with his first crops now on the track, uh, is doing well. Counterattack, for example, had some nice winners. So there's always the one to look around. Are you, are you pretty positive about the, about the future? I feel on these short, you'll realise it's a busy news day for us today with the, the whip review that's come out in the UK. But, but just in general, you know, I, I, I feel we find it all too easy to be a little bit negative about our industry over here. Um, perhaps we don't celebrate as much as we should. But what about you over there in Germany? Is there a lot to be positive about at the moment, or, or are you concerned? I think we can, can, can compare you to the English uh, people as well, and people are always more a little bit negative, and the glass is half full. Yeah, and in, I'm always yeah an optimistic person, and I'm very optimistic because horse racing is something just great, and and. and we have to get things organized and to get it in the right direction. But whoever went on a race course and saw a wonderful finish, like we had in the German Derby a week ago, when two horses are fighting out to the finish line, and then it's just great. And racing is so good and so positive, and we just have to show it to everyone. And I always say each of one of us should bring someone new to a race course, and then the numbers go up. Mm. See, I like that. I'm going to take that positivity into the rest of the day. The glass is half full. Thank you. <laughs> um, Daniel, great stuff. It's been a pleasure. Thanks ever so much. Okay, thank you very much. Some news from our friends at My Racehorse. They're inviting owners to join them for a morning with Syndicated, the horse trained by Andrew Balding. That's on Saturday the 16th of July at the historic Park House Stables. If you want to attend... Head to the website, uh, or you can go to, to Twitter, My Racehorse UK. That's at My Racehorse UK for your chance to win a visit to see Syndicated at Parkhouse Stables this Saturday, the sixteenth of July. Right, I just wanted to touch on on the Rogues, Rishi, because um, yeah. Rogue Millennium. She's not going Irish Oaks. She's not going Irish Oaks, um, which is understandable. She's had a she she could do with a break. She had. I was. She ran at Epsom, and then she ran at Newcastle, where I thought she was going to win when she picked it up. But she just ran out of puff. So, a um, little bit of a break, and maybe see her at Goodwood. Hmm. I think Nassau ground dependent, possibly, or there could be. A Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. But there might be some success for the Rogues later this week. Rogue spirit. Rogue spirit in the Weatherby Super Sprint. 
and possibly Road Lightning on Friday. Okay. Might on Friday. Uh, in that listed race. At Tell New us more. Uh, Road Lightning, I don't know if you saw when he won at Newmarket, what was it, two weeks, two and a half weeks ago or so. Um, pretty impressive. He, he won really nicely. And then the second horse came out and won after that. And he actually got, got a quote for the guineas. He was so impressive, a little bit over the top. Um, but he might run in a listed race on Friday, still to be confirmed. And obviously, as you mentioned, Rogue Spirit runs in the super sprint. Missed Ascot intentionally, took a slightly, well, much slightly, uh, much easier option at, uh, at Wolverhampton to, to teach him a, a, a little bit about settling. His two first two runs, first time up, he made all the running to win at Beverly. Second time, he made most of the running till he was collared by Chateau. He ran well at Royal Ascot and back in third on that day was the Riddler. So that form has worked out really well. So instead of going to Ascot, went to Wolverhampton, had a little spin round there, a race that he should have won and he did. But it was nice to see him take a lead on that occasion and not have to make the running, which will hopefully give him um, a couple more options, uh, or at least Jack Mitchell, a few more options when he rides in on Saturday. Rishi, good luck with the Rogues. Uh, send us away with a winner if you can. Oh, goodness me. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I was going to say Rogue Spirit in the Weatherby Super Sprint, who's Great. in a 25 runner for real. But I was also going to mention to keep an eye out for Rogue Lightning if he gets declared uh, in that listed race at Newbury on Friday. Good. You probably could have done with the running order then, and, and we could have worked that out a bit better, but never mind. Well, there was there were one or two other things that you wanted to talk about today. They, it's, it's, it's a pretty fast news day. Is it? Yeah. You know, there's a bit going on. <laughs> Um, no, you sounded a little bit like Steve Manish there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good luck on your um, sporting travails from Wimbledon to the Open. It's all right for some. Oh, it's tough. It's tough, Tom. It's tough. Um, great stuff, Rishi. Thank you very much. As I say, Dave Yates will be with me tomorrow where we will be centering on the uh, whip review, whip report, and there'll be more interviews around that. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.